This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time, solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Mom and Mind. I'm perinatal psychologist and host, Dr. Kat. There is more to the story than just postpartum depression. This podcast aims to share it all, from personal stories and lived experience to experts who break down the ups and downs of life from getting pregnant, pregnancy, perinatal loss, and postpartum adjustment to new parenthood. While this is not psychotherapy or medical advice, it is all of the stuff you ever wanted to know about mental health and new parenthood. Welcome to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. In our episode today, we are welcoming Dr. Veronica Eo. She is a bilingual, licensed clinical social worker, and it is her passion to help new and seasoned mothers navigate the challenges of parenthood. She transitioned her practice into primarily working with mothers after becoming one herself. Some of the experiences that she navigated, specifically undiagnosed postpartum depression with her first, ultimately led her to shift in her practice, seek specialized training in working with moms, but especially mamas of color. Supporting mothers through various walks of life is one of her guiding posts, and it influenced her even in her dissertation, where she researched the factors that influenced the success of student mothers in higher education institutions. Part of her discussion with us today is normalizing that therapists also struggle with mental health, as well as to normalize in her cultures, specifically Black and Mexican, that there are mental health struggles even with professionals. Now, let's meet Dr. Eo. The Mom and Mine online shop is up and running. We are so grateful to all of you who've already purchased mugs, travel mugs, water bottles, or magnets, and excited to see how excited everyone else is about these being available to you. Really hopeful that. They can serve as a reminder to you to fill your cup first, put yourself on the list, and take comfort in knowing that you are not alone. You can find a link to our shop on momandmind.com or in our Instagram bio link. The proceeds of sales go to support this podcast to keep it going. And also, I'm really happy to offer 10% of proceeds to Perinatal Mental Health Alliance for people of color on a quarterly basis. If anybody out there gets a mug, I'd love to see a picture of you with it. Or if you get a mug and you post it anywhere on social, please make sure to tag us so we can love it right along with you. Thanks for any support you can offer this podcast to keep it going. Welcome, Veronica. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really grateful that you're coming on to share your experience, very specifically for all the therapists out there um, who feel pressure to, you know, have it all together as a therapist, but as you and I both know, we are human and also have our own challenges and struggles. So I'm really grateful to you for you coming on to share your experience. Um, So yeah, please do start wherever you feel comfortable and we'd love to, to hear your journey. Okay. Thank you so much. You know, I think back to when I became a mother, I very much, you know, I think often of like, I wish I could give myself a hug, like go back and say, oh my gosh, Veronica, you need a hug. You need a big hug and that it's going to be okay. You know, it's a very conscious, just it, it comes to me that first year. And I remember, you know, we became pregnant and one, no one prepares you to be pregnant. Like it was, (laughs) 
It's not my funnest time. I'm not a big fan of actually being pregnant. I love the prize that we get at the end. The baby is adorable and cute. Mm-hmm. Just the, me, physically, body, we just, we don't vibe. We don't like it. And it was hard. It was hard yeah. being pregnant. And I remember, especially with my first, and there's been some healings with my second and my third, but my first really was the big teacher for me, the, just that experience, just, you know, I can remember just continuously pushing myself, even though I was sick. So for me, all my pregnancies, I had nausea and throwing up just intense, like it was hard. There would be times that, my gosh, I would be just in tears, even, you know, mentioning that I'm a therapist, right? I would see clients and just, you know, because all smells would bother me. Smells, sure, you know, and right. people have different smells. It's not that my clients smelled, but everyone <laughs> carries different smells. Breakfast mm-hmm. they ate, you know, their nose just becomes so attuned. And I would run back and forth to the bathroom, just like oh, throwing no. up. Wow. And this is uh, while you're uh, meeting with clients? Well, not during session. So during session, uh-huh. I would drink hot water. That would be my, my thing that would keep me settled. I would drink hot water. But like uh-huh. after session, you know, I would, you know, say goodbye, you know, here it is holding space for, for these individuals and not really holding space for myself of mm-hmm. like, Pranika, ease up a little bit, you know, ease up. Like it will, it, you know, it would just that was, it was just hard. Like just. Was that I like all throughout that, your pregnancy? Yes. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh, all throughout my pregnancy. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. Like it was a long time. There was something wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nine months of I will correct myself. It ended when I started maternity leave. There you go. <laughs> Two weeks before I gave birth. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you boy. know, but you know, I was at home and you know, I think back and you know, I wish, you know, I and I did implement it with my second and my third of just easing up. Right. Mm-hmm. If I didn't, you know, there was just really assessing like, you know, yes, I love and appreciate the work that I'm doing with my clients, but I also need to take care of myself. Like it yeah. is not, at least for me, it wasn't okay to be running back and forth, you know, mm-hmm. and just kind of listening to my body of, of the rest that I needed. And that to me really started just the whirlwind of that, that first year of, so my daughter came into this world and she came in after four days of being in labor. It was that's long. Yes, long and also just not, you know, I had this idea of how I would give birth. I was, you know, I so at that time I was running every day and I was everyone would tell me, Oh my gosh, she's just gonna pop on out, you know, because you're just <laughs> running every day. Like literally happen, running. I just want to say yes, yes. Like, you know, okay. she did not. I just want to say <laughs> she did not come out that way. Okay, got it. But I ended up having to have an emergency cesarean, and I just remember feeling like I failed, like I did something wrong because mm-hmm. here I was, like you know, running and these these high crazy expectations that I like held myself to at that time, where you know, I'm being wheeled off to have my cesarean in tears, feeling like yeah. I failed after four days. You know, I remember oh, no. chanting to myself through contractions, like, you've run marathons, you can do this, like, just mm. keep, you know, keep going. And I, I just, I felt like I failed. So it's a born. devastating feeling going into yeah. going into into uh, it yeah and to have the c-section and yeah delivering your daughter that way yep and she's born and i meet her and hey my daughter's born and then they wheel her off to the NICU oh. and uh, i'm assuming that was not expected no so my daughter was 40 weeks and four days when she was born. Mm. So she was healthy. Mm -hmm. The thing that sent her to the NICU was, so I am allergic to penicillin. Oh no! So they gave me thoroughly read my chart and Mm. they gave me something that was in the family of penicillin. Oh my gosh. And so I had a reaction. So naturally 
she had a reaction and I lost it. So I already felt like I failed. They wheeled her off and I was just thrown because I was past 40 weeks, you know, right, she, right. and the reason that we had a reaction was because of something that I was given, right. Mm-hmm. Because of lack of, 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 you know, paying attention. Well, I don't know whatever happened there. So, and so I, it wasn't my best shiny moment. I really want to say I did uh, use many curse words. And, yeah, you did. Just vivid. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Sure. Okay, because so for people who have had a cesarean before, right, there's this piece of, you You know, they monitor you mm-hmm. before they send you into your room. And I was without my baby. Mm-hmm. I So, and already I'm feeling like I'm failing. And here I am, like, not having my baby and everyone of course is looking at me like I was doing something wrong and I just I and she's in the NICU and I it was just hard and so they wheeled me you know into my room and I'm still upset and I remember the nurse came and you know they're like okay they can meet your baby I wasn't the first person that held my baby I wasn't the first person that got to see her my, mm-hmm. my dad went my daughter my sister went my husband went and you know I can't I couldn't walk right mm-hmm. so they can't mm-hmm. wheel me into the NICU you have to be able to to walk you know you have to sit in the bed for some time right and um, you know because I had a cesarean so I I lost it I I was just, just in tears so I was counting down the I forget how long it is what eight years 12 hours whatever amount of time it is that you have to stay in that bed mm-hmm. and so I had delayed, even more delayed reactions to what they gave me. And so to my body, so my body Mm -hmm. had reactions. So they gave me Benadryl. So Benadryl makes you sleepy. Right. So I don't remember meeting my daughter. I, my husband took pictures and I'm not there. Mm -hmm. Like I am not there. I I can't even tell you anything about what what she was like just that moment you know because I think I have vivid memories of when I met my sons my following too and Mm -hmm. but my daughter I don't and it was just a rocky four days in the hospital it was feeling like I failed because I had a cesarean gosh I don't even know my daughter I remember Mm -hmm. thinking that like I don't know her Mm -hmm. you know feeling like one you don't even know what you're doing so that's Mm -hmm. another thing that you don't Mm -hmm. know what you're doing when you have a baby regardless (laughs) and you know trouble nursing it was just like a perfect storm for me to be depressed yeah yeah it was a perfect storm and this podcast is supported by understood explains as parents we are often having to figure out things as we go And that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Uliana Ortube. And she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs. What they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. 
Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Do you recall if that like feeling set in pretty quickly? Yeah. I remember it falling like, I want to say even the next day because, so I, I struggled, right? Yeah, I had my first, I struggled, you know, milk takes a while to come in, which is another mm. thing that I don't prep me for is that mm. your milk come, takes a while to come in. And at that mm-hmm. time I had these standards of like, my baby was not going to have any formula and my mm. baby was never mm-hmm. going to do this. And I was going to mm-hmm. be this way, you know? Right. These, these standards that I thought of what a mom is and what had to be. And so I just was beating up my body. Like, why are you not producing this milk? Right. Mm. They would tell me, just pump, just pump. It hurts to yeah. pump. It hurts to nurse. It, it, it hurts. It was just pain, yeah. you know, and. On top of pain. On pain. Yeah. Pain yeah, on yeah. pain on pain. And, right. And I, you know, I, I remember one of the nurses telling me like, well, you just need to give her formula like you're not you're just not going to be able to nurse your nipples are not going to be able to just give a formula and in my head I knew that was an insensitive thing to say but like in that moment I was like oh my gosh like another thing that's wrong with my body like Mm -hmm. another thing Mm -hmm. you're telling me Mm -hmm. another thing and the bright light in that moment and I think that that I think of this moment um in those four days so I mean they were a hard time and it, it I, I struggled with depression and anxiety after having my first for a long time even if I didn't know it at the time like I I look back at pictures throughout the whole year and I like there's times where I can see myself like I'm present there mm-hmm. like obviously I'm there but like that I was mm-hmm. like present in that memory and times that I wasn't but in that four-day stay I had a friend who also had a baby around that time she had her baby a little bit sooner than I did. And he actually was in the NICU as well. And, and he had come significantly earlier. And I remember calling, like, I remember texting her actually, like, saying, like, I can't do this. Like, I'm not a good mom already. Like, I'm already feeling at this. Like, why? Like, maybe the baby she's better with someone else like oh, because no. I, I don't feel connected to her like I can't yeah. I you know I had to walk so she stayed in the NICU for those four days that I was in the hospital after the cesarean mm-hmm. so I would have to walk mm-hmm. to the NICU which was of course is nowhere near where you're you're staying and uh, you know no I sense. felt like it yes yes mm-hmm. hospitals just make a change on that yeah but um <laughs> And also feeling like an intruder. I felt mm-hmm. like I had to ask, can I pick her up? Is oh, it okay? Like, can I do yeah, this? Like, yeah. you know, it's not, it's not your, it didn't feel like it was my thing. So I remember telling her like, man, maybe I shouldn't leave the baby. Like maybe she's not, I'm not meant to be her mom. And mm-hmm. she calls me. She's also a therapist now. So clearly okay. <laughs> you need that. Yeah. And she's like, she's crying. You know, she's crying mm-hmm. on the phone with me. You know, she's like, like Veronica, you know, yeah, you know, we're crying. And, and she's like, I just need you to focus on one thing at a time, you know, mm-hmm. one thing at a time. We're not, you know, because I had sent her one of those texts of like, my life was over, you know, that's how I felt mm-hmm. at that mm-hmm. time, you know, those deep texts. Yeah. And she's like, I just need you to take one breath, one thing at a time. And so she's like, what do you need to do right now? And I'll, mm-hmm. you know, and she's like, I was like, oh, the, the baby, her, her feeding is coming up. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're going to want you to get up. And like, she had to like spell out the things yeah. that I need to do. And she's like, just do that. And I was like, okay, I can do that. And that's what I did for a year. Right? It's not what we expected. It's just not <laughs> what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. But I felt like I often leaned back on that. Of yeah, If you don't know what to do, just take the one thing that's in front of you right now. Like, yeah. what is the one thing that has to to be here? For sure, that's because, really solid advice. The person, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's good advice. She's also a mom of four. I also want to <laughs> say she's a mama of four. <laughs> <laughs> 
she had been through this rodeo before. Uh, oh no, yeah. Uh, those, <laughs> but it helped me because mm-hmm. my personality naturally is one of juggling multiple things. That is me by default. Um, <laughs> it's and so motherhood for me has really been a struggle. There's mm-hmm. areas that I excel in because mm-hmm. naturally I, I have this personality trait. But mm-hmm. the there's areas that I struggle in, mm-hmm. even as a therapist. Like I know all these things of how I, uh, you know, that I do for my clients. But then I realized that I really struggled with doing that for myself, especially yeah. in this yeah. role of as a mother. Yeah. These standards that I held myself to and that I, I I'm still to this day really being intentional and doing work on really balancing this piece. I'm sure. And did I um, knew that I needed. Oh, sorry. Can I ask a quick question? Did anyone aside from your therapist friend know what was going on for you? Could anybody tell? Was anyone concerned? No. And part of that is because I have a very good face that I show mm-hmm. the world. Yeah. I have my, and that is my personality of my default. Okay, let me phrase that. It's my default personality. I go mm-hmm. to that, right? Mm-hmm. It's not who I, all of who I am. So to clarify, you know, I, I did all the things. I did getting up, ridiculous pumping schedule to get my milk up. Oh, I did right. the, the pictures of every month I did the Mm -hmm. activities that they said that were good I did the mommy and me classes you know and and all those things that I was supposed to do what Mm -hmm. they what I thought I remember that what I thought I was supposed to do right and it ultimately and so when I think back I'm like oh my gosh I want to give you a hug Veronica because (laughs) I need you to sit down (laughs) let people help you like Mm -hmm. let just let people help you and were people like trying to help you and you said no I got it of course yeah like Uh people would offer to help and I would just say no 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 or they would help in a way that wasn't helpful for me sure like and I just didn't have the voice at that time to say like actually that's not helpful for me Mm -hmm. like can you do something you know different you know Mm -hmm. The biggest thing that comes to my mind is I was really like I had a big wound in regards to being separated from my daughter so soon. Mm-hmm. It just so I had a hard time when other people would hold her. Mm-hmm. Like I had like a really hard time. Everyone and their mama wants to come and hold this baby. That's what <laughs> right. everyone wants to do with you have a baby. Right. I did not want people. I did not want people holding my baby. I just felt uncomfortable and even just inviting people to the hospital, right? My following two pregnancies or after birth, I didn't invite people to the hospital. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, it's okay. Don't come. It's Don't too come. much. <laughs> yeah. I'll let you know. <laughs> yes. I'll let you know. Just like things like that. Where <laughs> it's like, people were like, I got this. Go nap and I'll hold the baby for you. I don't want you to hold my baby. I don't want to, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I, that's what I wanted to say, but I felt yeah. rude saying like, yeah. you know, you know, it, and so yes, people did offer. So I'm not going to be like, no one offered to help me. I think people did do, but some of those things I didn't find helpful. And, and, and it wasn't, it, it took some time for me to actually really took intentional work. Cause I didn't see, so in my first year, I did have support through Mommy and Me. So I attended Mommy and Me. And even in Mommy and Me, like, it was great. However, I didn't see moms that looked like me. There was only one other mom that we shared. So I'm Afro-Latina. So um, obviously, when you look at my face, I look like a Black woman, which I am. But my mother was Mexican. And so she, for the most part, dictated our cultural pieces. So I have a strong, identified strongly with the Mexican culture. And so I found a friend who in mommy and me who her and I bonded immediately and often we will joke that our husbands will joke like my gosh you you two were lifesavers in meeting each other because Mm -hmm. in the middle of the night when I needed a text because her baby is actually one day older than my daughter and we both went through 
emergency C-section. You know, we both have similar type A personality, <laughs> <laughs> you know, similar tendencies. And, you know, she made, she made a difference in, in that sense. But I thought I had it together. Like it really, and it blows my mind sometimes when I think about that I thought that I had it together because mm -hmm. I look back and I'm like, Veronica, you did not have it together. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm laughing because I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. Right, like I'm like, mm -hmm. why did you think you had it together? Like, mm -hmm. you know, and it really wasn't until I, so with so some context. So I had my baby and I stayed home with her for a year. Mm -hmm. For a year, I stayed home with her because I thought that's what a good mom does. A good mom stays home with her baby. That's what I thought. And let me just say, I really love going back to work. Not mm -hmm. going to lie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, a lot of people feel that way. For sure. Um, yeah, it's hard work to stay at home. Uh-huh. It is. It's hard, hard work work and I think the other piece that makes it so hard is like you know I mean yeah it's working with people I mean I work with people I'm a therapist right but like yeah. this is a little person that has no words you <laughs> know and right. like I'm still trying to figure myself out you know mm -hmm. I need a hot cup of coffee I need to pee without being rushed sorry mm -hmm. for the TMI but like it's true no like, it's all real things. bring bring the real yep. <laughs> and you know for me I think the only reason that I realized that that year was hard on me, and I have this picture on my desk here at home because I work from home, is I have this picture with me and my daughter. I'm going to toot my horn a little bit. Mm -hmm. I, you see that picture, and I feel like you could see the happiness that I had. Of I was more balanced. I had gone mm -hmm. back to work. Now, it wasn't just the work that made it. It was that I gave time to myself. Mm -hmm. Like that first year, I struggled Mm -hmm. to take any moment to myself right yeah yep oh my gosh goodness and I needed it like I needed that time you know even my self-care so I love to run I am a runner I just love it that's my problem solving place like that is my mm -hmm. zen <laughs> space I would take her running in a stroller and mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that you know it's bonding gay she loves to run it's woo but I need time not to think about someone else. And I didn't right. realize that I needed that. Like I just, because yeah. I thought I was okay. I thought like, I'm like, you're doing all the things, Veronica. You're doing everything. And was there any like internal voice or process or whatnot that didn't allow you to take time for yourself? Like, oh, for instance, like, no, I'm not supposed to. I'm just supposed to be here for my baby. Or was it kind of just you were in the mode of taking care of and it didn't even cross your mind that you needed your own time? I think it flip-flopped between the two. So uh -huh. it very much was like, moms don't need to take time. You don't need to take time, Veronica. Like you're, it's just, it's all about her. It's mm -hmm. all about the baby. And like I said, I, my hug to my, Mm -hmm. My year, my that year, I would be like, Veronica, take time, mm -hmm. go for a run. She'll be okay with her dad. Um, would you feel like guilty, or were you worried like you shouldn't do it? Like you'd feel guilty or anxious being away from her? I would feel guilty that you know she would cry because she naturally had a harder time with my partner because I did the primary everything. So she was so used yeah. to me. Her and I are yeah, in a rhythm. Yeah. And I yeah. and I noticed that even with my my well, all three of them, like mm -hmm. we're we're in a rhythm, right? Like they respond mm -hmm. to me differently than they respond to my partner. And that's fine. Um and so some things are a little bit easier. Well, that's the perceived uh, notion that I get. They're like, mm -hmm. it looks like you guys are in tune. We are in tune, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, with my husband, it takes him a little bit of time. You know, mm -hmm. it does. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Right. I wouldn't even let them get to that point. Like okay. at that, in that first year. Right. Because I you, like jump like, in and, oh, and rescue yes. everyone. Oh, <laughs> and <everyone>. yourself. <laughs> I was like, it's okay. Yeah. Uh -huh, it's okay. I got, because it's, it's uncomfortable to hear your baby cry. Right. It's so uncomfortable. And right. then I'm like, no, 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 she can't. Like, it, it, it's okay. Like, you know, you just, 
just it's I don't need it it's fine you know I'd be on my way to the gym and she wouldn't go to sleep exactly at the time that she was supposed to sleep and you know I would jump in or I would be on my way you know someone would invite me to something and I would cancel and I just it was this like sense that you know I was doing something wrong if I took guilt and also feeling like if I did something wrong if I was taking time to myself or that I even needed that time for myself yeah and that's not the case you know and I I think it took me a long time I know we all have a different amount of time that it takes us to realize that or you know still working on it that time for yourself really makes a difference Um, yeah my goodness (laughs) I need it you know and it that picture that I keep on my desk is my reminder to myself because I see it every day mm-hmm. not so much uh yeah every day but you know when my husband's here we have to switch off a little bit so right now I'm not looking at it but because <laughs> I look at that woman right there aka me mm-hmm. and she is genuinely smiling mm-hmm. she is genuinely present in that moment and that it's actually one of the first pictures after my baby's first year. And because she, I think she was like, I think it was Christmas. So her second Christmas where I was actually present. I think we were taking Christmas pictures. I think that's what mm-hmm. we were doing. And it took me that long really mm-hmm. to realize that I needed that space. And yeah. it wasn't necessarily the going back to work because work has its challenges. Love being a therapist, but also it's hard work being a therapist. Yeah, so yes. it wasn't... Yeah. Like, oh my God, it was that I separated. Like, you know, if a client wouldn't show up, I could go for a walk or eat Mm -hmm. my meal, not Mm -hmm. being rushed. Right. You know, and I realized like slowly after having those moments, like, oh my gosh, I came back so much more refreshed. Even if I had a long day of clients, or even Mm -hmm. if I didn't have a long day of clients, right? Like I had Mm -hmm. childcare. So I I would have that time and it was, you know, a really big life lesson for me. And it's something that I constantly have to be intentional with, you know, so sure. it's going to, it's going to be four years that I, you know, my daughter's about to be four hmm. and her birthday serves as a reminder to me of just how much I've changed as a mom, right? This is something that I was yeah. in the perfect timing in having I mean, our interview because I reflect on just, you know, one, it is my default to want to do it all. Like that Mm -hmm. is, I fall into that in times of stress. I fall into that, like when there's just a lot of chaos or, or, -hmm. you know, just transitions like that. It's three kids. It's a lot of work over here. It's very loud in my house. (laughs) And a lot of, just reminding myself right through therapy so I got a great therapist who calls me out I have good friends who remind <laughs> me of, I mean gently you know you yeah, of course yeah therapeutic you, know, yep. you need it I needed someone to tell me because the thing is is people would tell me in that first year like just take a break I got it I'd watch her I just wasn't ready to hear that and I want to make space to honor that like if anyone's listening of like to honor that feeling of like if you're, you're not ready, you know, what helps to make you ready? And for me, it took me a while. It took me a while to be ready to really mm-hmm. hear that message that I needed time to myself mm-hmm. um, and how to make that time for myself. And it and I also know that I fall into that pattern of going back into me doing it all. Yeah, I, I as you were just saying that that last piece it made me kind of wonder because as you know, so many moms uh, struggle with this uh, like idea of taking time for themselves, and uh, somewhere along the way, uh, I don't know, we learn that we're not supposed to, or that it's not okay, or that we should feel bad about it. And I, I wonder if that was kind of part of your experience too, that there was something, some messaging from outside of you that you're not supposed to want that. Yeah, very much messaging outside of me, you know, of like, and I think that's the message also that I heard of like, oh, congrats, you're pregnant. Your life is over. Oh, it's man. It's all about the baby. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, I know. Oof, that's harsh. Yeah. Your life right? is not your it's own harsh. anymore. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And I was explicit, you know, that I was told. And I mean, I will say the life that I had before it has adjusted. I don't think it's over. I right. honestly, like, I feel... 
and this is not me like trying to sugarcoat or anything. I really feel right. like I've really stepped into myself in this role. And I think part of it is because I really had to do some deep work. Like this, yeah. my therapist, and I've gone through two, like, you know, just really called me out on some stuff. Some things that like, because outwardly presenting wise, I think I present that I have it together. I think mm-hmm. I present that I'm okay. You know, I mean, I'm sure she would probably say that she worked really hard to get, you know, down deep in there, you know, <laughs> to really tell me. But I think I really did intentional work. And at first, the, the motivation was I wanted to be a good mom. But it now, it, which it, it is, it, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think the goal has really shifted for me of like, who am I as a woman? Like, and you know, how do I continue to show up as the woman that I want to be? You know, mm-hmm. mom is one element of who I am. And, right. and so, yeah, it's, you know, was part of the motivation of wanting to come on this podcast of like saying one, right. Cause I think, I think as therapists, maybe you can relate, we get the, oh, well, you must never have a fight with anyone or you must be <laughs> right. inside it all together, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like, that's not the case. And that like, we're still growing. Like I'm absolutely growing as a mother. And this what really fuels the work that I do as a, you know, as a therapist, because Mm -hmm. I want to be of help. Right. And, you know, walk through whatever journey each mother is going through, because we're all going through something different. And we all have, you know, maybe I, you know, I've had parents or, you know, moms or even friends who are like the self-care, they got that thing unlocked. They know how to do that. Right. It's like Mm -hmm. other elements. Right. And that's okay. You know, we're all just different and growing. And, you know, if someone listening can be like, okay, like it's okay that where I'm at right now, you know, just taking that one small step, what is the next thing that I need to do? And, you know, just focusing on that then my goal is accomplished. That's once that's it. One small, one small talk, one, one small mm-hmm. thing. That's like my mm-hmm. life motto. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sounds like it's working. Uh, that's great. Hi there. I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple to digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. Yeah, it, uh, especially for, you know, multitaskers, um, people who can do a lot of stuff, it feels really hard to slow down even that much harder to do quote unquote, like nothing is harder than to do 10 things because it, you know, you're used to productivity, you're used to moving and being able to do multiple things, but there's like a very real block, I guess, to doing multiple things 
not to make it sound negative, but there's your own recovery. There's the sleep deprivation and the fogginess of your brain. And that's very normal. And also certainly if you have depression or anxiety or trauma, it's much, much harder. Mm -hmm. So the idea that we can just, you know, jump back into doing what we've always done is so much harder because it's almost like you're trying to start a car and it won't quite turn over to like get going the way that it used to. And unfortunately, I think we as therapists, especially, but as new parents, like you were saying before, that feels like failure instead of Mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, right. I'm going through this massive transition. Of course, it's going to be harder. No, we don't, we're not like thinking that in the moment. We just think we're terrible or, or whatever, some bad thing. Yeah, exactly. And I think sometimes even that blows my mind sometimes because I'm like, I repeat you know the you know I I see a mom client and I'm like you just went through a transition it's like that light bulb Mm -hmm. goes off like Mm -hmm. oh yes yes I did oh you don't just help the baby out and (laughs) go back into it right Mm -hmm. so we forget I I truly felt like I forgot that and didn't give myself the grace to really acknowledge the big transition that I am you know going through and Knowing that, you know, and as you were mentioning that, you know, knowing that, especially I, so I recently had my third earlier this year and, you know, even my husband still had to remind me of like, you're falling back into your default. Mm -hmm. Like, remember you just had a baby and I'm like, oh yeah, 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 you're right. (laughs) Like, it's like, you know, because you're just, and I think also that sleep deprivation like gets you because you just forget, Mm -hmm. like, it's like forgetting what day it is. (laughs) It's like, you Uh just forget, you're like, oh yeah. I know I gave birth, but it's (laughs) like you, you know, like just Mm -hmm. get get caught up in it. And so, and that's part of the process, right? Like we're, Mm -hmm. some days are easier than others and it's just one moment at a time, you know, one, one thing and just giving yourself the grace to, to acknowledge that, like, you know, you just had went through this big transition and it's like a roller coaster of things. And, but that support can really make a difference, right? Whether it's my husband kind of snapping me out and reminding me, like, Mm -hmm. you just had a baby or (laughs) that friend that I, you know, made who I, she, you know, I was able to align with her or the wonderful therapist that I had, you know, mm-hmm. shout out to the therapist really <laughs> has helped me, you know, as I reflect, right. My fourth birthday, my, my eldest is about to turn four and just reflecting on my goodness. Like I w- I'm not able to physically hug myself in that first year, but I definitely feel like if she were to be looking at me right now, obviously, you know, be saying like, I'm doing a good job. I really feel like I'm doing the best that I can. Takes a lot of work though. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yeah. So in your experience, looking back on things now, or even currently, uh, in either the the difficult experience with your first or either either of the other two um, experiences with your other children, or is there anything specifically culturally supportive in your processes or specifically culturally made things more difficult, you know, that are at top of mind right now? You know, one of the things that I, so in Mexican culture, you tip, there's this idea of like taking 40 days of rest, 40 days of like resting your body, you know, you're recovering and time to bond with the baby. And with my first, I took no such thing as no 40 days. Like I felt like I needed to do Mm -hmm. it all. Mm -hmm. I would not Mm -hmm. let myself rest. You know, people brought food and I just wouldn't let myself rest. You know, I have a memory of my friend, my best friend's mom, you know, came over to help me with the baby because I had just been home and, you know, there's this idea, right? So it's 40 days of rest. Someone stays with you, whether like they sleep over, but there's people around you to care for the baby or to mm-hmm. wash, clean the house and stuff like that. I was on my hand and knees cleaning my bathroom floorboard because I was oh. like, it's dirty and she's going to notice. Oh. Again, for <laughs> at that time because mm-hmm. I'm like it was my thinking it's because I think also it takes me a lot of uh it takes a lot of energy for me to welcome help and to mm-hmm. really accept it and so with my second and even with my third I still struggled with like accepting help um but I did take into the consideration of my 40 days of rest. And so what that looked like is I, there's this 
um, and the name is escaping me, but I know her name is Angelica and I'm forgetting the name of her business, but it's here in LA. And she would, um, she had like this postpartum support for moms. And it started because she was giving me um, massages, pregnancy massages. And because treat, because this is my second pregnancy, I'm like, huh, I'm going to treat my body. The fact that it's going through this transition, give it massages. And so she came for that first month and would cook meals for me. Oh my Mm. gosh, the best meals, hot food. That's also part of the, the 40 days is the, you are to only drink soups, like hot food, right? To close up your body, keep your, keep your, um, what do you call this? Stomach waist uh, wrapped tight, you know, cause your body is putting itself back together, right? Don't pick up anything heavy except the baby, you know, sit down, a mm-hmm. lot of resting. And so she came. That's what I gifted myself for my second pregnancy. Oh, I love that. Um, she would massage my body. She would incorporate, cause at that time I had a toddler and now a newborn. She would play with my daughter so that mm-hmm. I could and hold the newborn so that I could take a bath nice. and sit in a bath by myself with a hot <laughs> drink. Right. I'm beautiful. Give me my massage. And the thing is, is like my first, I thought like, oh, I don't need that. That's not needed. But mm. oh my gosh, did I need it? Oh, mm-hmm. it made such a difference in my mood and how I felt supported. And so oh, cool. that was a big shift that now as my friends start to have kids and stuff, like one, I either refer them to her service or, mm-hmm. and who's the name of it? I can't, I just know her name is Angelica. I can't think of her name, but, but it made a difference. You know, she was very accommodating and very, I needed that massage. I needed that touch. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. Okay. Um, listeners, we'll be sure to get that information for you <laughs> and I will yes. leave it in the outro for, uh, for this episode. Yes, 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 yes. Cause it, she's a lifesaver. And, you know, so because that's a big part of Mexican traditions, culture is like to care, to come around the mother, to, to support her, at least in those first, uh, you know, few days and for, first, yes. And even though it's something that it has taken me a lot of energy in accepting that from my own family, I think mm. it's just part of it is in my family, I function as like, I know it all. Like I got this, I got mm. this together, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. so you know, for anyone listening to this, like, oh my gosh, you hired someone else to kind of help you. Like that was my way of, that's where I was at. Like mm-hmm. I struggled with asking that of people. And so I needed, and I'll go with my third, I've had the baby during the pandemic. So I had to accept help from family and mm-hmm. not had to, wanted to. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it just took energy. So I think that was a big cultural thing that I've gravitated toward and something that I extend as my way of helping um, with, you know, other friends that are, are having kids or even just, you know, clients of just, even if we're not of the same culture, but of like finding out what, what are cultural practices, you know, what mm-hmm. are pieces that help you during that time? For sure. I mean, yeah, that sounds like massive support. And I mean, you clearly saw Uh, between one and two, how much easier things were because of that support. I think a lot of people have that same kind of feeling that you had with your first, like, no, I can do it. And you just don't know what you don't know yet sometimes until you go through it and have the realizations that you had along the way. It's really hard because we're given these messages that we're in some ways supposed to be able to do it all and, and be martyrs and do everything for your child and you don't really exist anymore. You're just there for them. And I mean, I think we're all, you and I both and everyone else in this specialty are really trying to get rid of that messaging and, and let people know that it's it's okay to have help and to take time for yourself. And it doesn't mean you're a bad mom. And But the the messaging is so strong. You know, even sometimes when I put stuff on social media, I'll get pushback about taking breaks. That that moms mm-hmm. shouldn't need to take breaks. And that's absolutely ridiculous. You know that now and I know that now, but neither one of us knew it in our first <laughs> in our first both part. Yeah. Are really tough to know. Both it is. Break- and it's tough to sometimes accept also yeah. the that we need to do that. And it's just part of the reason of why and which is why I I love how you show up on social media and you know, other things like that, because it's true. Like we gotta get the message out there. <laughs> Yeah, you got to push past all of the the other messaging and yes. sometimes be as loud as possible. 
but you know, it's hard. These like these things are ingrained in us from early, anyways, from our generations. Hopefully, this these next generations of of kids will grow up knowing that it's okay <laughs> to take breaks if yes. you need and ask for help and get help and all that. Yes, that's the goal. Right, right. Well, I, I thank you for sharing what helped you and specifically culturally what is supportive. Your experience is so important. Like I said, when we started for therapists to hear, but I think just for everybody to hear that it may seem that we all have it all together on the outside, but we're still human. And so, yeah, do you have anything for those, for folks out there, anything to say to them about your experience or what you hope people know about this uh, journey? That no one has it figured out. No one knows what they're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And that that's okay. I think that's the piece that makes it, I'm going to use the word fun because, and hard and hard, but yes, yes. I think that if there's no one right way, that means that we can create it in the way that works for us and what works for our family. Woohoo. Yes. I think sometimes, yeah, like we so much sometimes get so many messages of do this, do that, you know, you should do this. And I very much, you know, remind myself, like, there's nothing I can take in the messages, but it is, I need to be the one to decide on if it's going to be how I want it to work for my family and Mm -hmm. or for me or, and that I have the best intentions of how I should, you know, of how I want to show up as a mom. And so, yeah, just. Yeah, you know, remembering as much as you can that that's kind of the fun. And then when you're in the hard parts of it, like that is where your community is really important. And so whether that's that group text that gets you going or <laughs> the social media, listening to this podcast mm-hmm. or, you know, taking that walk and being alone for a moment to gather your thoughts, praying, whatever it is, like, you know, get that support and have fun with it. One one step at a time. Perfect. Thank you so much, Veronica, for coming on and sharing all of this with us. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us in this conversation today. If you would like to get connected with Dr. EO, you can find her at drveronicalcsw.com or Instagram, drveronicaeo. If this conversation has supported you or you know of somebody who could be supported by it, please do share, pass this along so we can make sure anyone who needs support can have it. Thank you so much for being with us. Until next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Together we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come connect with us at momandmind.com. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence Whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.